Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. My understanding of the history of the commissions was that originally when brokers started doing this, they were given a lump sum up front, bang, that's it. Now go and live off that for a while until you get another loan through somewhere else. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine and the GRC Professional Online. And today we have Calvert Duffy, who's the principal consultant of an owner of a GRC consultancy. Hi, Calvert. Hi, Kwame. How are you? So today we're going to look, I guess, slightly a little bit at the other side of the Royal Commission. You know, everyone's talked about how it's been sort of a watershed moment and regulation. It's brought some things to light and there's lots of discussions, lots of standards and potential consultations are going to come out of this. But I guess today what I really want to discuss with you is maybe some of the things that the Royal Commission, I don't know if to use the word wrong necessarily, but maybe did not analyze, as you put it in a previous conversation, in sufficient detail. Uh, so, what were some of the challenges with the Royal Commission hearings and maybe the report that you saw? Okay, I suppose I'd better um, start with a bit of a, a disclaimer. I used to be the, I can't remember what the title was now, the Senior Executive um, Compliance and something or other at the at the um, Mortgage and Finance Association of Australia. So I'm a bit biased towards brokers. We worked, walked the the NCCP legislation through from starting with different pieces of legislation in each state, so I'm a little bit biased. However, having said that, one of the things that struck me with the Royal Commission wasn't wasn't just about um, mortgage brokers, was about the lack of, I think in some senses, an understanding of how businesses work. Um, yes, the law is the law, and yes, we've got to obey it, and yes, everybody in his dock knew that there were uh, folk out there that weren't doing the right thing. Um, strangely enough, I was one of the people who lauded ASIC and other regulators coming and talking to business, but it seems that the message didn't get through to um, some of the folk that they were talking to. Uh, because there didn't seem to be any consequences or the consequences were so far removed from what was happening that um, to- being told that you were doing the wrong thing and you'll get an EU or, or whatever seemed to be a, oh, that's an easy way out. Right. Well, it isn't and it wasn't. But now we're, we're probably going to see the reverse. But however, back to the Royal Commission. Um, my specific um, so I suppose bugbear here is that looking at... Um, uh, commissions as they're being called for brokers they are a commission in some sense but they were looked at in a way that was not I suppose commercially real uh, it was not real, a real understanding of what the consequences might be out there in the real world now it, so I found it very interesting that the person who brought up removing commission, trail commissions for um, mortgage brokers mm. was the head of a lender one of the biggest lenders in town, just as it turns out, uh, and there didn't seem to be any critical analysis that I could find anyway of his role in saying, well, let's get them out of place. Well, if you, they're your biggest competitor, they're taking up to nearly 60% regularly now of the mortgage market is being put to lenders, not just the big four, uh, through brokerages, uh, mortgage brokers, that is, or aggregators. An interesting business model. But anyway, the long and the short of it is... Um, we're saying the people who pay the money out are saying we shouldn't pay them commissions because they're not necessarily doing the right thing by the 
consumer, i.e. The, the mortgage borrower. And um, it, to me, it seemed like it was an instant conflict of interest. Yes, he may have been all altruistic, but, you know, I doubt it. Uh, and so it just struck me as there should have been some more examination or at least some more um, questioning of why you would say that. There seems to be a lack of the understanding of the history of how mortgage brokers got to be getting what's called trail commissions, mm. and there seemed to be no understanding whatsoever of any um, uh, statistical analysis of how brokers move their money around between one lender and another lender and why they move it around. Now, the interesting part about brokerages is that um, mortgages last for four years on average, four years we, we we all think that you take out a 30-year mortgage it'll be 30 years before you pay it off it is but it isn't necessarily at your very first lender um, people are becoming much more mobile these days with their with their mortgage repayments with their mortgage or um and so it's one of those situations where uh let's have a look at what the statistics actually say are people moving them because there are higher commissions are people moving them because there's a higher trail commission are people moving in because the service they're getting for their client is better or not better? There should have been some analysis. A lot of that's been done since by the industry, um, the FBAA and the MFAA. The FBAA is another industry association that looks at um, finance brokers as well as mortgage brokers. And from what I understand, being on the outside now, but from what I understand, uh, those statistics wouldn't hold up saying the brokers move because there's a higher commission for them. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of the folk I've ever come across you know, in the mortgage industry are honest and look after the best interests of their client because they've realised over the years the best interests of their client are their best interests too because a lot of their business is by referral. He did a really good job or she did a really good job. Go and see Mary, go and see George. They'll look after you because they looked after me. That's the sort of thing I used to hear all the time when we did surveys of um borrowers that's the sort of stuff we got then and i can't see that it's any different now if anything it's a bit more cutthroat now so um with uh, various lenders offering uh, good interest rates and customers seeing them because it's public knowledge everywhere you can just go and look it up on the internet these days so that's that's had a big effect but even the commissions themselves my understanding of the history of the commissions was that originally when brokers started doing this they were given a lump sum up front, bang, that's it. Now go and live off that for a while until you get another loan through somewhere else. And it was beginning, my understanding, and if my memory serves me correctly, uh, what that meant was um, lenders were parting out with relatively large sums of, sums of money. Let's use an example. Say you got $5,000 for a loan right. as a broker. And your next loan was three months later or two months later or whatever it happened to be. You had to make that money last, had to pay for what you were doing beforehand, had to pay for follow-ups that you, and there were almost always follow-ups because paperwork um, tends to uh, have a life of its own once it's put into a lending situation. Um, you'd be following up and then you think, well, I'm paying for my premises, I'm paying for my car, for my computing, I'm paying for the software I've got, I'm paying for memberships, I'm paying for insurance, whatever it happens to be, memberships of... Um, industry associations for my CPD um, and I've got to pay staff, I've got to pay the electricity, all those sorts of things. It's the sort of stuff that makes up any small business. And then you think, where's the next lot coming from? So some of the banks 
started to say, well, this seems to me to be a good idea if we give you a lump sum now and drip feed you the balance. So we only give you $2,000 and the $3,000 will pay to you over X period of time. And somehow or other, in a lot of eyes in the industry, that came to be a payment for keeping you in that loan with that lender. Now, it may have um, developed that way eventually, but it didn't start that way. And it wasn't that way for everybody I've ever spoken to. So it was a, a way of the lenders not ha- parting out with so much cash at the beginning of a loan. Um, and it was a, 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 a way of mortgage brokers saying, yay, I've got some regular cash income coming in, so my cash flow problems are not solved necessarily, but at least they're a bit smoother than they would have been otherwise. So that's, that's the sort of thing I think should have been looked at in the Hayne Royal Commission because the effect of brokers being pulled out of the market, not being able to survive on a um, on, on the sort of money that was being kicked around, uh, means that the competition just disappears. If competition disappears, those at the top can decide what price they'll charge forever and a day. And that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be as kind to everybody else as they um, might be if somebody's looking over their shoulder saying, <coughs> pardon me, sorry, um, saying, come with me, I can get you a better rate somewhere else. That'll be a lender or it might be a mortgage broker. Right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've obviously identified what were some of the challenges of the way it's handled and you gave a bit of the history. Um, I guess what would be interesting to know is how do you think it should have been handled in the Royal Commission if they thought that um, the way trailer commissions were handled previously were a bit of the problem? Um, well, there's a couple of things there. One, I, I'm a bit biased, I suppose, again, because my background's economics, compliance and law. Um, and one stage, this is a good... The fact of the matter is, I think the persons who are the Royal Commission should be, one, familiar with the industry over which they are holding a commission and two, not just um, legally based. Mm. Yes, the law is the law, but the law is only part of the component of, of, a, of an economy and the law in some senses is a reaction to what happens in an economy, um, in business in that economy. If business is doing something nasty, it usually the law follows rather than leads. And in this case, um, we're, looking at, we're looking backwards at conduct previously saying this is what we want you to do into the future and there's a bit of a disconnect in the sense that the person's looking at say the law said this you did that naughty now do this not how did it develop to this what do we need to do to put in place to remove it that isn't just the law and that to that i was so grateful home said no more legislation that's the dumbest thing that could happen putting in more layers and layers of legislation for folk who are struggling to keep up with what's there. I asked at one of some conference, it might have been an ASIC conference, I can't recall now, now which regulators should we um, make sure gets their piece of the pie first as a business? Do we look at the ACCC stuff or Austrac or APRA or ASIC or ATO or OAIC? You know, who, whose legislation takes precedence? And there was deathly silence from a panel of regulators sitting up on the podium and each of them basically said something along the lines of, well, well, you have to figure it out for yourself. And yes, we do. And some of us can because we've got the staff to sit there and spend the time doing it. But 90% of businesses and 90% of people employed in Australia are employed by small business. And small business uh, have massive numbers and massive imposts on their time, energy, resources and expertise. They can't keep affording to put someone in. I'm having a discussion with a chap at the moment saying, you might need to do this. And he said, I can't afford the time or the staff. 
I said, it's not going to cost you $60,000. He said, yes, it is. Every time I talk to someone, it costs me money. And he's thinking that's you know, 10, 10 weeks salary for somebody or whatever it happens to be. Um, so the long and the short, you need someone who knows and understands the industry or you need a panel of persons so that there is something in the line. You might need an academic, an economist, a business person, a lawyer. And sometimes I think you need a psychologist because uh, there, were some, there were some things in the in the Hain Royal Commission I thought was so um, horrific, um, the sorts of things that happened where that poor young young chap with um, autism was sold an insurance policy over the phone. Yeah. Uh, and that created all sorts of issues for the people listening, I have no doubt, for those who were sitting on the panel, I have no doubt, and for the family. Um, but also one needs to look at the reasons why people do things, the mindfulness with which they approach the task that they've got. And that's something that we've got to look at. I, um, yeah, anyway, you're going to start talking about mindfulness, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Yes, and, and definitely we do have another podcast coming up um, after this, speaking with Dr. Bob Murray, speaking a little bit about oh, behaviour and culture. Um, and, you know, Bob's a great guy for that. Yeah, so that should be good. Um, well, I guess we're sort of coming down to the end of the podcast, um, and it's really good to have a bit of the history, a bit of you know maybe what Royal Commission didn't get absolutely correct. Um, I guess, what is your hope for the future in terms of trying to handle these types of issues? You know, I, I, in the newspaper, obviously, as I would have mentioned before the podcast, um, we see the life insurers are also trying to fight that ban on commissions. Um, so I guess there seems to be, I don't know if there needs to be more of a conversation between the regulators and industry to have like a better understanding of how business works. Um, what, what do you hope for the future in this context? Well... It's a bit of both, actually. One of the things is commissions, by their nature, if they give someone an incentive to do something that may be against someone else's interest, should be banned, um, if that's what's driving people. Commissions are of themselves um, benign, but the way they're used, and sometimes the, they have, no matter how well designed they are, people find a way around it. I just keep thinking about the, the number of random breath tests in Victoria that were supposedly bogus because police um, were being judged on the number of uh, breath tests they'd run. So they made the numbers up. Now, I'm not quite sure who got harmed except the reputation of the police. And I don't know where they, what, what sort of detail they had to put in. Did they just pluck numbers, registration numbers out of the air? But the long and the short of it is um, if you use some form of coercion for people to do their jobs properly, um, then there's something wrong with the way you've got the job designed or the way you're remunerating it or the people that you employ. So those need to be looked at. You've got to start at the beginning. Who are we employing? What is their mindset? Those sorts of things. That's just a whole issue around um, em employment. In terms of um, some kind of reward for doing a better job, a better job than you would normally do, um, then that's where the people like Bob Murray and others come in to, to say what are the sorts of things that people actually want. A lot of the studies I see say that people aren't in it actually for the money. Some of them do it for um, the common good. I mean, I remember when I first joined, when I first started full-time work, I joined the public service because in those days, obviously, callow youth who had these bright and, and you know, lofty ideas of doing some good for the world, those were the days of um, John F. Kennedy and we were land, going to land people on the moon and all those sorts of stuff. So there was a whole hope of of what was going to happen mm. uh, in the future. Now, 
I see more and more cynicism in the world these days, and maybe because people are just protecting themselves, but we've got to look at what drives people to do the things that they do. What we've got to also to get is to regulators to see that they need people inside who also understand business, not just someone who's grown up um, working in the public service, got their law degree, um, and uh, what they see is the roar into the stick. People take complaints to them because that's where you go with your place. So an old saying I, I keep hearing, all looks yellow to the jaundiced eye. So if you're just seeing complaints, you think everybody's like that, and business isn't like that. Trying to put people from some a regulator into business is also not of itself a bad idea, but the, but the consequence of doing that can be one or other becomes captive, whichever way you go. So there's got to be some thought about how you go around that and who you put in there. Um, in terms of in terms of how um, people are rewarded. I think I've kind of covered that. You've got to look at how you go about it. But commissions can be a very bad thing if handled incorrectly. So we go back to why are we doing this? Are they not doing their job well enough? Is there an easy way to do it? Can we bring in tech to make it easier? Uh, that sort of stuff. So um, each of the each of the sectors, um, business, uh, regulator and legislator, have to look at what they're doing and why and what they need out of it. What they need out of it usually is to look after the consumer. Why? Because we need um, our economy, our society to run, uh, what shall I say? I'll say smoothly. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that will do for the moment. Um, And we're building roadblocks, I suppose, in some senses, because we keep putting laws in the way that um, are based on things that have happened past tense. We should be looking at what do we need to do to make changes in the future? So I didn't think we'd be going in this direction, so I haven't given as much thought as, <laughs> I, as I would like. It sounds a bit disjointed. But we really need to examine how and why we incent... We, oh, God, I had that word. We give people incentives to do things that could lead to unintended consequences, and it's the unintended consequences that seem to trip us all up, regulator, business, and uh, legislator. Right. Sorry, buddy. No worries. No, excellent. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time, Calvert. Um, I hope to have you on the podcast again soon where we talk a little bit more about, I guess, the relationship between regulators and SMEs and small businesses. <laughs> you might regret asking me about that one. That's why I get a little bit worked up over that one. Small businesses don't get looked after. Cheers, yeah. buddy. Thank you for listening to the GRC Professional Podcast. This podcast was produced by the GRC Institute and the original music was written by Rob Neary. Mm-hmm.